So thank you very much. And if you have heard, uh, surgery is terrible and has no future. So I'm going to try to address uh, some of the innovations in uh, rectal cancer surgery here. And I guess we, we turn, and it has been addressed, and, and still there is some doubt whether we should embark on open surgery. But surgery only can survive if we embark on the minimally invasive way. And we had a major disruptive change, and you will see that progressively endoscopic techniques and surgical techniques are going to merge by progressive developments and incremental changes. And we completely change from a handcraft and tactile um, uh, surgical uh, art to rather a visual controlled uh, surgical uh, techniques. And I guess it took us quite a way and a long time to achieve that. And we, we, we moved from hand-assisted, some, some fun-and-still-assisted rectal cancers to total laparoscopic surgery. And there are some data showing that, indeed, the laparoscopic approach has some major clinical advantages for the patients, short-term, and there is no difference at all for the long-term. And this is, of course, of utmost importance to start with. And we are becoming more proficient to do that operation in a minimally invasive way. And as you can see here, I plotted three randomized trials there. And, of course, we have seen major advantages of pre-op staging with MRI coming along. And this also contributes to that. But as you can see, CRM positivity today is less than 5%. So we made a very good effort there to achieve that goal. But the problem is it still remains a very difficult operation to achieve in a minimally invasive way. And that's the reason we overall see a substantial conversion rates. So you need to convert to open surgery. And this is really where we, we start to understand those difficulties. And you have seen robotics coming into play there to help us out to achieve that distal uh, end of the dissection. You need to retract that. It's very hard and completely blind when you do it laparoscopically to transect to rectum. So we don't have any visual control on the distal margin of resection. And that's cumbersome. And when you look there, and this is going to change in the future, that there are some really patient-related factors that are going to indicate whether you're going to be able or not to do it laparoscopically or whether you have a high chance to, to change. And of course, we, we started to embark to also implement a transanal approach to facilitate the dissection from above. Because if you're stuck from above, you then can help yourself out from below and end up with a coloanal anastomosis. At the same time, we saw the development of microscopic endosurgery from a surgical perspective. And this was already there from the end of the 80s. But we had very little indications for that. And it has been, it has a long learning curve and it is a very rigid platform. But putting all those things together now, we clearly got the advantage of having now a new transanal platform. 
And I guess this forms now the basis for innovation in rectal cancer surgery. It's a mixture of minimally invasive laparoscopic techniques and a new developed transanal platform. And it really makes a difference because now you have, although it's flexible, a stable platform to do the same microsurgery from the inside. And as you can see, this is just data there showing that it has a major impact not only on, on surgery times, but also an accuracy and positivity of margins. So we clearly can do, like, at the inner tube, normal laparoscopic surgery. And if you look now to this, this is Tata, where you do the transanal part, and then you're going to suture it up, you're going to close the rectal tube, deliver, deliver the specimen to the outside, and then make the anastomosis. And there again, but you, you see how little vision we got to achieve that, and then you can retrieve the specimen. And that's exactly what's now the transanal approach we are doing with the new platform. And as you can see here, the major advantage now is that the surgeon is in direct control of the distal resection margin because I'm in control where to put that suturing and where to close the rectal tube and where to do the incision there. There has been some first data, and as you can see here, it's around now for four to five years that we start to accumulate evidence of the transanal approach. But as you can see here, instead of having no vision at all, now we use the, the endoscope to really have a very fine uh, dissection and transmural uh, dissection, as you can see there, and to open up from below those planes we want to get out and those planes we want to get in. And as you can see here, we don't need major retraction because from below we got major forces from the insufflation. So we, and we believe that this is now the way forward to avoid any uh, um, need for open surgery in this particular setting, as you can see here. And especially in the anterior aspect, it makes a complete difference. As you can see there, the prostate is very close. You can really see, and you're in the plane of the non-villiers fascia, so it facilitates the minimally invasive approach to rectal cancer. It still is hybrid because part is done from above in a laparoscopic way, and the, the upper part you can go from below is until S3. New technologies are arriving, so we need to have robotics now dedicated to the transanal approach. And this is important because we need, again, that triangulation that makes surgery so easy. And I guess progressively, you're going to see emerging of techniques that gastroenterologists are performing and surgeons are performing. And I guess here you can see you can use and that platform and use also like, like conventional laparoscopic instruments to facilitate a endoscopic maneuvering within the rectal tube. So it will give merging of IDs, and I guess this makes the difference at the end of the day. 
But it comes at a price, and the price is, of course, the learning curve, and the learning curve has been paid by urethral injuries, as you can see here, because it's, it's very hard at initial stages to open those planes. As you can see here, when you're in from below, you become very close to the urethra. And of course, one of those things is because it's, it's not the abdomen that fills with CO2, you get like operative force vectors that completely change how we need to deal with the mesorectum. And so this is the learning curve. It's 36 to 50 cases. Again, indicating, yes, you can overcome it, but probably you need a high-volume center there. Has we made any progress? Yes, we made some progress. Technical problems are there in 40%. Injuries, visceral injuries are going down. But when we look today with nearly 2,000 cases, Although technical problems went down, you see that still urethra injuries is a problem linked at this time to that technique. In Tati Me, we changed the design of the anastomosis. Rather than double-stapled, they become single-stapled. But we're still struggling to get a decent anastomosis down there. And it has been addressed, and that this is one of the major problems with TME surgery. And this has been shown that if you have a leak in an irradiated patient, you have a high chance to end up with bad function and also with uh, a definitive stoma. But now we are at the moment here, you can see we are really in charge of having a very good distal resection margin. You know that the distal spread is very rare after chemo rat, so now I can see the lesion, and under direct control, I can decide where to do the resection. And you can see here from that registry on, on 600 patients that indeed distal resection margin positivity is very low, also Positive CRMs are very low. And when you look to the composite endpoint of a good specimen, 29.6%. So indeed, something is there. And when we look to the, the factors that contribute to a non-complete specimen, none were related to the patient. So it makes a difference in comparison to laparoscopic surgery. But I'm going to end my talk with this. So here you see a small lesion now in a moderate-risk patient. And again, decision-making is becoming more and more complex. And you heard some reasoning for going to one or another direction. And I guess the major change we see over time is that from a rather MRI-based static process to deciding whether you're going to operate or give the patient neoadjuvant treatment, and then at week six interval, do the predefined surgery, you now see that this process is becoming dynamic. So indeed, you're going to use the MRI and all patient characteristics to decide on whether you go for upfront surgery or near event. But then you see we're gonna, we, we try to, to select those patients who can avoid surgery. So you're going to see changes in that interval. It becomes flexible, dynamic. And what's becoming more and more important is the reassessment 
and changing over time your strategy. Here you can see here, if you say, I take my de final decision at 12 weeks, this is an incomplete response. You can go for local excision with morbidity. You can go for radical surgery with TME, with all linked morbidity again, or you can expand the interval. And you see, at the end of the day, the patient developed. So it's becoming more and more a dynamic and a very complex issue to finalize your decision-making. And of course, for advanced tumors, this is easygoing because most of them will get neoadjuvant. I think the paradox is in the small tumors now. And this is the difficulty of decision-making. Because we all know the downside of giving chemo rat and then giving the patient radical surgery. And of course, in some way, we want to decrease the use of radiotherapy. And in the other way, if we want to go to the pathway of, of, of organ preservation, we need neoadjuvant treatment also, and probably more and more, in the locally uh, patients. And so the knowledge gap there is really to predict who's going to respond and who's not. So I guess the flexible transanal platform is there, and it should be implemented, and it's going to help surgeons to become more and more going to that pathway of minimally invasive surgery. And I guess the major change now is MR, response assessment, and adapt the surgery to that. And of course, we should guide our patients through that dynamic process. I thank you.